Hello there. Welcome back to the Senate Podcast on episode number 27, I believe. We're going to wrap up uh, a retrospective today on one of the greatest trilogies and the ending to one of the greatest sagas ever. But I'm joined by the 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 Boosh Bounty Hunter Tony Quinn. And I'm pretty sure I just did not pronounce that name right. But anyways, this is our sixth retrospective for the Star Wars trilogy. So we're at the end of the, you know, original saga by George. So up until this point, how do you feel we're, we're doing on the retrospectives? I feel like we've been doing pretty good. Um, I like, like, um, cause we started with the prequels cause obviously chronology and all that. And like, those were really like really long, especially revenge of the Sith because those yeah. stories are, you know, trying to be more grand and more operatic, uh, more about, you know, the politics and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff happening. Whereas the original trilogy, like, a New Hope is one of the most bare bones movies ever, not in a bad way. Yes. Like it's perfect. It's a great family movie, I think. You know, and then Empire Strikes Back, probably not so much. Probably more for like, you know, like heavy sci fi fantasy lovers. So we spent a little more time talking about certain stuff, analyzing certain things. And um this movie I think is mostly back to the tone of a new hope but it also has a little more happening like empire so it's it's not a perfect balance of the two in my opinion but it is in the sense that it has both of those things so i'm interested to see uh what the ratio of this episode will be if i can uh if i can judge by my notes i think that we'll have quite a bit to talk about whether positive or negative so i'm glad because this movie is actually pretty um it's there's a lot happening but not a lot happens and what yeah. i mean by that is it's it's funny because like you said four was extremely bare bones and it was even more so bare bones when he was writing it he actually took so there was originally only one death star battle and one death star but the movie was so bare that he wanted to take the death star battle that was supposed to be at the end and it, it, like in episode six and he put it in four to give it some action and just more within the movie itself to, to make this into a trilogy um, huh. where, you know, you, so there, so you didn't have to try to fit everything in the one movie, but he ended up taking the Death Star fight from six and putting it into four, which I thought was really interesting because then he had to make another Death Star and I wonder, rework some things. Well, that's interesting, you know, for like. So it's not just necessarily lazy writing like, oh, there's another Death Star, but it's just bigger. Cool. Because that's a trend that the sequel trilogy did way too much, as we'll talk about. Um, But that's all like it's interesting to kind of postulate what the original climax of a new because that originally wasn't a part of the movie. So it's like, okay, then what would they have done then? (laughs) Like. Yeah, and like originally, um, uh, Obi Wan was not supposed to die, you know. So they had to do some things, and uh, and originally, uh, Jabba the Hutt was in the movie more, and you could see that a little bit in the special edition, yeah. which segues me into talking about the special editions of these movies because I'm assuming w- you're watching the special editions like I am. 
No, I'm watching the. Uh, I got the original VHSs from. Oh, so somebody oh. my mom knew. Yeah. Okay. So I would never willingly watch the special editions, except for Empire, because like I hear that one, the changes are you know not that bad. But I've seen a lot of the changes to A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, and you know I love George, but yeah, I also criticize George, and that's one of the things that I've always been like. Why did you do some of this stuff? We'll get into that. But he was saying in his commentary that actually he changed the least amount of the original content for episode (laughs) six compared to uh, episodes four and five, which is kind of interesting because uh, he uh, he when he wrote and uh, produced episode six, it was very close to his original uh, screenplay you know, that he had, you know, outlined before all of the movies were even in development. So anyways, long story short, I'm watching the special editions. That's really cool how you're watching the OG VHS tapes because I uh, I remember those. I remember growing up with those. And honestly, episode six, they're OG VHS without any of the special added features is a better movie than the special edition. Uh. Jedi. It's just weird too, like how just really, really quick, like how you know, there's like that fear of like certain media being lost, and we've like seen that where like certain f- physical games, you know, they're n- either not accessible or they're like really expensive, so they're essentially rare, you know, like they're you know, so and then some of those games, you know, they don't get like remastered or whatever, and it's kind of the same with movies, like be. I'm like I'm pretty sure the original like the theatrical versions of the original of the original trilogy aren't just readily available. Like if you have Disney Plus or whatever, like if you want to watch them online, like buy them online, it's the special editions and I just hate that really. So it's like me having the original VHSs, it's like I feel like I'm like getting away with like some like big cosmic crime you know what i mean like i'm not supposed to have the original you know i'm supposed to pay money to the big corporations yeah if (laughs) i want to see the product but it's like i you know like i'm like a criminal that i stole them from a vault or something (laughs) just a a really strange time for media but yeah (laughs) there's there's actually a a rabbit hole i want to go down with that but we'll get to that during this discussion for the first act of the movie. So without further ado, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about by now, this is our definitive retrospective for star Wars episode six return of the Jedi. And Tony, remember I told you I have a surprise. Yeah. Look at this bad boy. Oh, nice. Yeah. I found it on vacation. So, the movie. Now we're now we're gonna dive into it. We'll start at the beginning, like we have been doing for all of these retrospectives. Um, so, Star Wars, the opening crawl of the movie. I actually really enjoy where this movie opens up. I've been thinking about it all day, and just about this whole first section on Tatooine. I love it. Is there anything you want to say before I? I dive into uh 
Jabba, Jabba. I mean, Palace. I kind of, um, I kind of wrote down a play by play of what happens because I don't know where you want me to fit that in, but the opening of this movie is just an absolute train wreck of just. I don't know if that's the right word. It's a lot of stuff happens that doesn't make any sense, but so, I don't know. <laughs> let me no, it's fine. Keep going, but I'm gonna uh jump in and kind of give some of my opinions and some of what George says in the commentary just for added context. Since this is a retrospective, we can we can do what we want. Anyways, originally George did not have Tatooine show back up. And I feel like I you know, I love seeing Tatooine. I love the intro the um addition of Tatooine into this because I had this thought earlier Tatooine is in every Star Wars movie of every George Lucas Star Wars movie except Empire so I think it's cool that we actually got to see it one last time in this movie and they just kind of get it out of the way with uh, a fun first act that you know it's it is what it is I like some of the stuff they do but it originally wasn't in there it was supposed to be just the battle uh, it was supposed to be Luke and fighting Vader and, and the Emperor. That was really what this whole movie was supposed to be about. And then it was the Empire attacking the oh the Wookiee planet, but he changed them from Wookies to Ewoks, and then added the added the the Falcon and Lando and the Shield generators. All that stuff was added with with the writing and all that. But uh, this point being, this first section with Tatooine was to actually fill in just time for the movie so i kind of wish them coming back to you know like luke coming back to his home planet served more purpose than just a joke between him and han where he's like because you know han's blind when because he was frozen in carbonite for i don't know how long and then luke's like oh there's nothing to see here i was born here you know and then han's like well you're gonna die here you know that that's convenient and it's like yeah that's funny but like i don't know that i feel like they like they had him come back to his home planet and he could have had moments of like you know self-reflection seeing how far he's come but now it's literally just a joke and it's like okay i mean we didn't need to do this then if you weren't gonna actually do anything with it so yeah and george he he says that star wars was always meant to be just a visual film and obviously i think unanimously we all agree that the dialogue is probably the biggest issue with star wars in general but nah. he says that you know star wars just all all the movies they don't really take themselves too serious but this is is actually a very emotional movie and very uh a ser- you know has a serious tone to it for most of the movie so i think you're right i think seeing something like that would be cool i mean there are uh what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? There are not the, le- I guess there is an actual deleted scene of him making his lightsaber on Tatooine, his green yeah, one. I think I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. So something like that, where maybe he was self-reflecting while he was making his lightsaber, or maybe he was hearing Ben's voice while he was making, like, a, you know what I mean? They could have done something. Even like him returning to, you know, the Lars residence and, you know, cause it got like burned down or whatever. And just like 
I don't know, just like bowing or like kneeling or something, you know, just like closing his eyes, you know, like visiting a because that's essentially the graves of his aunt and uncle. You know, I think like like a small city, like it wouldn't have had to be, you know, this big thing, but like that would have yeah. been, you know, really nice. Yeah, and this used to be my favorite movie out of all of the Star Wars movies, but for reasons like that, it has moved down. So I think, uh, you know, I love the movie, but there's there's some stuff wrong with it. So with that being said, go ahead. L- what's your thoughts on? Are you uh, sure? Okay. Well, it, well, it's. It's like essentially like kind of a simplified play by play, but is that okay? Do you want me to go on the That's whenever you get to something. Okay, so Yeah, so Luke sends C three PO and R two D two to give Jabba a message. He offers them in exchange for Han, which they're surprised by when C3PO hears Luke say that he's going to offer them his service to Jabba. He's like, what? So C3PO didn't know the plan. Okay. Then they get taken to get restraining bolts. Then later, Leia and Lando in disguise as bounty hunters bring Chewie in to collect the bounty on his Okay. Head. Let me, let me just, when I, I actually <laughs> really love that Leia was disguised as the bounty hunter. I like and that too. Yeah. I love it. And, I, b- I believe the race of uh, is called obese or obese or whatever. Um, I never knew that. Or and that's what I actually said at the beginning when I called you the Boosh or whatever the oh, Boosh okay. bounty hunter. That's what that is. Which she was, she was disguised as. So yeah, I actually love I love that, and I love the carbonite with Han because at the end of Empire, you're not really sure where, where it's going to go, and it's it's so cool that they reference they bring back java because han was um sorry you didn't watch the special features but in in a new hope they add java to it i believe I, you know what i'm talking I about i did see that yeah okay. i think that scene sucks it's terrible but it, <laughs> it kind of just shows that like okay han got away from java now java got han back in carbonite and they have to go rescue him and i love i love this i i love this opening of the movie the oh, the beginning and the end of this movie is awesome. I'm sorry, we're at completely no, opposite that, ends here. No, but yeah. So then Jabba gets mad because they ask for more money. Why does Leia need more money? They're not actually turning Chewbacca in. What is the point of this? And then one of them, I think it's Leia, threatens Jabba with a thermal detonator. Then Jabba is impressed with their bravery and he compromises then leia sneaks in and she melts han out of the carbonite for some reason she stops to kiss him instead of just getting the hell out of there well and they have leia- to reverse the dialogue from empire uh, yeah and then <laughs> leia gets captured they had to stop and do that Le- Le- leia gets captured and han gets thrown into the rancor pit he could have died i'm just saying then luke shows up and mind controls his way in then he pulls a blaster on Jabba, and he also gets thrown into the Rancor pit. He could have died. Luke kills the Rancor. Then Jabba sentences Han, Chewie, and Luke to get thrown into the Sarlacc pit. Then Luke says, I've taken care of everything. Then Luke jumps the plank, does a flip, and catches that a lightsaber awesome. that, that R2-D2 so secretly had. And then there's a fight scene. So, okay. I... This is... So You're if, describing a, an amazing movie. No, my my the only conclusion I can draw is that 
because sometimes in Star Wars, it seems like the the Force is just a giant deus ex machina. It could just solve all your problems. So, you mean to tell me that Luke had this overly complicated plan that involved all these moving pieces, everybody doing their own thing, none of them working in synergy, and then Luke somehow knew that everything would be okay and that nothing would go wrong, even though there were many opportunities for stuff to go wrong, just because the Force was guiding him? Well, nah, he's a Jedi like, Knight now. I, like, he should have just went in there, R2-D2 should have thrown him the lightsaber, and he should have fought his way out of Jabba's palace, and they all should have left. But instead, it's like, they go to the Sar... Like, I, it's just so, like, it's just so convoluted for no reason. I, like... It's so fine, in, like, Luke, you know, like, fighting, you know, and, like, jumping from sh- ship to ship, you know, it, it feels very, like, swashbuckly. I think that's fun, but, like, the other yeah. characters don't do anything. Leia's a slave. How did he know that she would have been able to kill Jabba? Han Solo's blind, and, oh, Boba Fett dies like a bitch. You know, the badass from the... Empire who sensed Luke unholstering his blaster and knew that somebody was following him. Now he's so focused on killing Luke, he doesn't see a guy three centimeters behind him. That's Han blind. turns around because he's blind. He doesn't know what's going on. And then he hits Boba Fett's jetpack and then he falls into the Sarlacc pit and dies. As far as we knew, he was dead. Like, I... It's like a Three Stooges sketch. Like, you could play the Benny Hill theme song over this entire sequence, and I think it would fit perfectly. It's it's stupid. I'm sorry. So it's just no, really you, got, dumb. you got you saw the best version <laughs> of the movie. So you didn't you you completely skipped over the Jazz Knight CGI sequence. Oh yeah, they changed Powell. that for no reason. It's so bad. They changed so it bad. for no reason. Why? Um, so this is kind of what I wanted to get into, and I referenced it earlier. The reason he changed it is because he wanted to just add more creatures. He wanted Jabba's palace to be reminiscent of the cantina scene in A New Hope. So It already was. It was, but here's what he says in the commentary. He says, what is... Sorry, you're going you're gonna to destroy him here. <laughs> he, said, oh, he, says, what's the... <laughs> he says, what's the difference between CGI aliens and practical aliens? Practical both... aliens usually look better. He Sorry. said they're not. He says they're not. Um, one isn't more real than the other because one is just rubber, one is CGI, and they're. He says the point is to make them both look or feel so real that you can suspend your disbelief for the story. But that CGI looks so bad. Yeah, the CGI in so every special edition change in every movie that I've seen sucks. Yeah, it sucks. The CGI in Tatooine and A New Hope sucks and it's it dates terrible. the movie when the movie looks timeless with the practical effects so george no offense but i don't know what the hell you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> what looked awesome was the rancor in java because yeah. those were that was puppetry oh, i didn't bring up the rank jim henson's team one of the most impressive practical effects in the whole saga like it it blows my like i it seems like a combination of like animatronics and stop motion right something like that like it's i can't imagine how long that must have taken them to do well i know they use a lot of stop motion on endor actually with the speeders and that's why it looks so good 
the Rancor, I just know that was puppetry, and it was by the team, uh, Jim Henson's team. Him, uh, he did Jabba, Rancor. Nice. So I think some of the other ones, but um, oh, yeah, Jabba looks insane too. Like he just like like you touched on it. It's like timeless. he, you know, because like it's different. Like with in Empire, and in this movie too, for a little bit, like the, the people controlling the yoda puppet like that's a small puppet like that was probably yeah yoda challenging but not you know like super hard job is a big boy he's a big boy so like i can't imagine how tough it must have been to like make every of his movements of this big puppet thing look realistic but like you know again I had the same effect with this movie that I had with the other ones where like when you get the Jabba's palace and you're seeing Jabba and all these creatures, I don't see practical effects. I see these creatures that are here, you know, when like Jabba picks up that thing and starts eating it, it, you know, that like small bug or whatever, that was probably like some kind of puppet thing too, or like a prop that they made. So it's a puppet eating a prop. It's a prop eating a eating prop. Milk, yeah. And it doesn't look stupid. Like it didn't make me go, oh, that looks weird. Like it it fits. And it just blows my mind. Like the people they had working on set on this movie, on these movies are top notch. I agree. And what's cool is this is uh evolution of what they did in four and five. It's just it's yeah. like each movie, you can tell you can see the quality increase and he talked about how hard it was in the cantina scene to do those do those um, animatronics or pup- puppets, everything that they had in it. And then he said a lot of the time and effort in Empire went into making Yoda believable. That's why there wasn't as many aliens. Yeah. But he said in this one, we really focused on getting uh, 40, 45, 50 aliens in one room at a time. It was and it was really hard. They had to get the uh, you know a lot of moving pieces, like you said, and it, all the moving pieces look good together and it's timeless. So yeah, I could say like, this is my least favorite of the original trilogy by a long shot, but it has the best effects. I think, I think so too. So Luke, he is, I made the joke earlier. He's a, he's a Jedi Knight at this point. I love how he's in all black. That's, you know, deliberate. I love it. Yeah. Of course we all know the story. It's a parallel to Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. And Attack of the Clones, he's wearing some black, but in Revenge of the Sith, he just looks way different. And it's the same thing with Luke. Oh, and other... I never noticed this. Another parallel to Anakin is when he's threatening Jabba and he's he says something like, it's not wise to underestimate my powers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I and was then like, immediately, Yo, you're you're yeah. freaking cocky, dude. <laughs> so okay, his attitude and his whole um, personality in this movie is actually because Mark Hamill was just a lot older than he was in A New Hope. Yeah. So you know how he Luke's character kind of went from like whiny to now confident and kind of you know, uh, what what oh, confident and uh, stoic kind of. Maybe a little stoic, yeah. So that was just because Mark Hamill was getting older too, and it actually worked. And he very just well. like grew as an actor, yes. Too. Like his performance in the, like fantastic hot take. Maybe he's the only one of the whole cast who 
is at his best in this movie because I'm gonna talk about it later. But everyone else, and sorry, no, you don't, you don't get, uh, you don't get a star. I'm sorry, Mark Hamill gets three stars and y'all get none because what the hell? <laughs> so I lo- I love it. Uh, his whole uh, performance during uh, Jabba's palace, it's awesome. Of course, we talked about Leia and Han. Uh, I think it's really cool what they did with uh, bringing all of them back together. The introduction of, uh, you said, Lando was there too. It was cool seeing him. Jabba. They really bring everybody together here. And uh, like you said, Boba. Originally, he said, uh, you, you know, Boba was supposed to die in the Sarlacc pit. But then he was like, well, if... I knew people were going to love him this much. I would have kept the deleted scene in of him crawling out of the Sarlacc pit because oh. he had he had a scene of him crawling out I don't and surviving. Think I but he knew that. Yeah, but he wanted him to die because he was like, "Oh, he's not that popular." Um, I will become that popular. Little did he know they went on to make a Disney Plus series that ruined the character. That's the only the only reason that I want to watch that is to see how they redeem his reputation from. Yeah, I they fell do. into a giant piranha plant in the desert because I got hit by a blind guy who I sh- should have seen behind me, but I was too focused on trying to kill a Jedi. All right, so are we missing <laughs> anything with this first part? Uh, let me look at my. I think I, I think I talked about everything. Um, I think it's dumb and it makes no sense, but it has a lot of cool effects in it and some cool world building. So yeah whatever i i just think it's so fun and the barge over the sarlacc pit that's a cool set piece i mean that's it looks awesome i do like the He's, flying the flying ships like the flying like kind of cruise type ships that they have like that's something we would see again in solo and i so cool when i saw it in solo i just thought that was so cool like i just and in the last jedi a little bit on cantobite like i think that's a cool aesthetic of like it's a cruise ship but it's very treasure planet-esque oh yeah yeah it's it's great so he obviously worked with uh, steven spielberg who uh directed raiders of the lost ark and that's how they actually got this scene over the sarlacc pit to work he kind of used the techniques that spielberg used in raiders of the lost ark and there's a famous yeah i don't know how well you know the movie but there's a famous part where um, they're fighting on uh, trucks with fuel, and then there's a plane coming, and they, they're all fighting, and everything's like jumping from one truck to another, and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's. And the, they, I'm pretty sure that's the yeah. climax. Yeah, so they use he used that um, reference for this part of the movie, which, like you said, super fun. I obviously we we were kids growing up watching this stuff it was so much fun seeing it. Even even if it was ridiculous, uh, Han being blind and what, everything that transpired was absurd, but it was fun. And then they leave Tatooine. So where are we going from here? They leave Tatooine. Uh, I think the next... They meet up with Mon Mothma. Yeah, and then I think before that, uh, Luke visits Yoda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, because then he rejoins them for the assault, and then he's like being all weird because he learns. So yeah, he uh, visits Yoda, who is dying. Um, I thought that was cool. 
the way Yoda dies in this, it was like it was whoa. really peaceful. I do yeah. have a question about that, but I want to, I'll okay. save that for a little bit. In um, yeah, he's visiting Yoda, and then uh, I like the joke that Yoda makes where he's like, "When you're 900 years old, look this good, you will not." Like, I just like that Yoda sometimes has a sense of humor. Um, he's the coolest guy out of all. He's so chill. Yeah, he's like really chill, and no, no, he's just like a like a great grandfather that you wish you had. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, Luke asked him if Darth Vader's his dad. And then, you know, again, credit to the puppeteers and Frank Oz's performance. Cause like they made Yoda look, look like really conflicted. Like, oh crap. I got to tell him about this. And like, so let me, let me just add here. <laughs> so I, when they, when empire came out and that there was the reveal that, Luke, I am your father. A lot of people didn't believe that. They were like, oh, oh. that is that is either ridiculous or he's lying to him. That so makes sense why they would think that. George took that feedback, and that's why the scene is in there. He says that towards the beginning of this movie, he had to answer the question for the viewers so that the ending you know, would make sense. So Yoda does confirm it. And then George says, well, at the same time, I had to actually confirm Vader was his father and Leia was his sister and then have him go tell Leia that not only are they related, but that Darth Vader is all her father as well. He's like, it takes a movie or multiple movies to do this kind of thing. But he's like, I just kind of had to do it in a scene or two yeah. and keep moving. So it, it, hit, or, it hit or miss, but he, he did it. Yeah. And then, like, the, like, you know, like, uh, I was saying Mark Hamill really grew as an actor. Like, he has a lot of scenes in this movie where he doesn't say anything, but, like, he just reacts. And, like, the faces that he makes tell you everything you need to know. So, like, in this scene when he finds out that, you know, everything's true and, you know, Leia's his sister, he's just, like, like, yeah. what is going on? Like, my life has gotten so, you know. And then, so... A thing I noticed, I never noticed it before, and I want to know if you have an answer or just a theory. Like, how come when Anakin dies at the end of this movie, um, and when Qui-Gon died, their bodies were being burned, like, at their funerals. But when Yoda and Obi-Wan die, their bodies just vanish. So, okay. Yeah, I have an idea, but I want to hear what you have to say first. If if this gets clipped, I'm going to get flamed because <laughs> I don't think – I don't know the reference for this. So I'm going to say some crazy stuff here that I can't I – can't, I can't remember the reference for off the top of my head. But here we go. Qui-Gon died before Force Ghosts were established. Not in oh, – yeah, not, yeah, um, not by George, but literally – they weren't discovered yet. It wasn't until the end of episode three with that, where Yoda says, I, I, I hear your master and from the nether realm. And then yeah. that's where Yoda learns how to become a force ghost was from Qui-Gon. But Qui-Gon wasn't even able to become a force ghost and, and they ruined that in Kenobi. But anyways, Qui-Gon kind of teaches Yoda and, and Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan and Yoda become force ghosts. Anakin was a Sith. So, he did not know how to become a force ghost. So 
All right, here's where I get flamed if we clip this. There is, I heard this somewhere. It was like an official thing where when after, <laughs> this is so this is so crazy. I'm sorry, but this is, this is the answer to that. Anakin dies in Return of the Jedi. And as he's dying, like as he dies, literally, Obi-Wan appears to him in the force and teaches him how to become a force ghost before it's too late. So that that he knows how to become a force ghost. Uh, I don't know who thought of that. I don't know where that comes from, but there there you go. Yeah, we, yeah, like I just thought that because in within the context of the original trilogy we see when a Jedi dies, they become a force ghost, you know, and Anakin became a Jedi in his dying moment, so he became a force ghost. Like it That's wasn't the best until later that like yes. All the rules and stuff were established as to like what dictates whether you can do it or not. So then that was why I got thrown off because I'm like, Anakin, like it seemed like they were burning his body. Like it wouldn't make sense for Luke to just burn his respirator suit and, you know, not his actual body. So like, I feel like he was probably cremating him, but then he became a force ghost anyway. But then now we know that the Sith don't have the power to do that so it's like what like it's kind of become a little more muddled than it was before but i mean whatever it was in the novelization oh the novelization of the movie uh yes so in return here we go here we go (laughs) youtube shorts all of you watching this on youtube shorts i found it the Return of the Jedi novelization cleared it up. In his dying moments, Anakin was taught how to become a Force ghost by Obi-Wan's ghost. So apparently he was trained, and because he turned back to the light side just before his death, Anakin was able to become a Force ghost. And I'll keep going. Uh, Darth Vader learned of this ability through Darth Sidious, and upon his death, the spirits of Kenobi and Yoda completed his training by granting him the last step in becoming a spirit. Anakin's spirit appeared as that of his younger self prior to his fall of the dark side, which I think is the worst part of the movie, by the way. So, there you go, YouTube shorts. Oh, and I did actually... I'm glad I remembered this, because I think this is pretty... an important wrinkle... Uh, for the prequels, I guess, retroactively. Um, when Yoda's, you know, he's like laying on the bed or whatever. Luke's like, Yoda, you can't die. Yoda says, strong with the force I am, but not that strong. So does that mean that when Palpatine told Anakin that you can use the dark side of the force to stop people from dying, he was lying? Or did Yoda not know about being able to use the force in that way because he never studied the dark side because in this scene yoda's basically saying i'm strong with the force but i can't even stop myself from dying yeah so was palpatine lying or did yoda just not know that that could be a thing i think palpatine was lying yeah me too it was all a thing for control and whatnot guys a reference just go back to our uh, revenge of the sith four hour supercut definitive retrospective thing we talk about it but yeah he was lying so yeah, that's what i think um there's a lot at the end of this movie but yeah right there i love the scene with yoda um like you said mark hamill's performance was great right there so 
Yoda dies. That's sad. Now it is up to Luke to save the galaxy. And then, much. yeah, he joins up with them at, uh, with Mon Mothma. They're meeting with the crew, talking about how they're going to take down this, the new and improved Death Star. And I got this. This scene is kind of the first hints that, you know, you hear those stories about how Han, I mean, Harrison Ford wanted Han to die in Empire Strikes Back, but then George didn't want that. And seeing, you know, Harrison Ford's performance in the other movies, especially Empire, was, you know, solid. You know, in this movie, you know, we know that he's kind of had a tumultuous relationship with this franchise like he kind of hated it for a while and then he came back for force awakens and rise of skywalker somehow and seemed to genuinely want to do it so i don't know i i feel like he's kind of phoning it in 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 this movie because han in this movie he shouldn't be in this movie he's just a bumbling idiot who doesn't do any like he like him and leia have this really weird scene where Chewie volunteers and then Han's like well that's one and then Leia's like I'm in two that's one more and it's like what is going on like I don't know like I think I don't know I think I I like read in a YouTube comment on a video that uh during the filming of this Carrie Fisher was struggling with like bipolar depression or something I don't know. I think she was having some kind of problems because her performance in this movie is also shockingly bad. But I don't necessarily feel like it's all her fault. But, like, I don't know. Her and Harrison Ford just, like, Leia and Han in this movie just feel wrong. That's another reason this kind of dropped, this movie dropped for me a little bit was because if it's not, if it doesn't involve Luke and Vader, it's kind of not great. So... You know, I, I mean, I like the Ewoks. I like some of the set pieces. Uh, I can't wait to talk with, about the Ewoks with the, uh, with the with the barge and the speeders on Endor. I think that's awesome. But like, in terms of a movie a story plot, all that, if it doesn't involve Luke Vader and the Emperor, it's like okay. Yeah, you know, they they really just had to be there, and he had to wrap it up because George says that he made it a trilogy because it's like three acts. The first act is to introduce the characters. Second act is to introduce the problem. And the third act is to resolve everything. So he kind of just had it in there for everybody to get that resolution in the end. So, but there was problems with the story. So, all right, we now Death Star time. So I actually love how the Death Star wasn't even operational, but they decided to attack while it was being built. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if the second Death Star would have been completed, that exposed reactor would problem would wouldn't be there this time. So it's pretty cool how you get that shot of it in the background where it's like three fourths of the way done and you could see it's still under construction. Uh, It's just cool lore, you know, universe building. I get the trope is is dumb, but oh, it's it's the same thing, but bigger. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's cool seeing like how it was in the middle of being constructed i thought that was cool but all right what do you want to uh what do you want to do so now let's see. after this they split off yeah they go to and yeah they go to endor and in my opinion this movie was already kind of running on a broken track 
But when they got to Endor, it falls off of a cliff. Endor. I love it. It gets to the movie. I mean, they got the Endor, and the whole plot just stops. It just stops. There's a cool sequence where they chase some stormtroopers on these bikes. You know, Dude, and the scout troopers are my favorite. They look so cool. Yeah, they have a really cool look to them. It's something we've never seen before, you know, because uh, Star Wars was always about selling toys. That's not just something Disney did. Star Wars always wanted to sell toys. Why do you think the freaking Ewoks are here? But, like, uh, aside from Can that, I- nothing, like, they meet the Ewoks, and it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. Leia's, like, saying, it's okay, buddy. Have some food. And then... Han shows up, and then they all get captured in a net, and then R2 frees them from the net, and then the other Ewoks come, so it's like, what was the point of that? And then it's like, playtime with Ewoks. They think C-3PO is a god. Oh, uh, Luke That's so funny, uses dude. the Force so funny. to lift him, so they think he's using his magic power, so they let him go, and like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. The plot isn't advancing in the slightest. And then... To talk about that before I talk about uh, okay. the other so, thing. <laughs> George loved the Wookiees, and originally in his outline, the em- the Empire was attacking the Wookiee like homeworld. Yeah, but he already established that the Wookiees were smart. Obviously, Chewbacca can operate a you know a spaceship, which that's pretty advanced. You know what I mean? So he wanted to have a primitive group you know, defeat an advanced empire. And that is a common theme. And he references all kinds of, you know, times throughout history where that happens, where a big empire is controlling a group of people. But even though they're smaller, they're more primitive, they overtake the empire and win. So he wanted to do that here. So, I mean, that's fine, but they didn't have to be uh, teddy bears, crack addicted (laughs) teddy bears. That's just not a thing that had to happen. And it didn't have to be like, so like just so fluffy and inconsequent like i it just baffles me how like nothing happens in this movie for like at least half an hour it's so much weird action and weird (laughs) exposition that doesn't fit but though he wanted to take the idea of the wookies but he literally said instead of making them tall let's make them short instead of having long hair let's make them have short hair and use like sticks and stones (laughs) So okay. that's where I, it comes from. I think this movie jumps the shark when the stormtroopers who are wearing armor, obviously, are getting other Ewoks are just like throwing rocks at them. And it's like, no, my God, no. It's like, bro, what? Like, what, what? What is going on? Like, the themes, there seems to be ridiculous. like a thing in some yeah. Star Wars projects where like, People are fighting, and then the other party throws rocks. Like, like that happened in Kenobi. I just, I just couldn't believe we have a fight scene between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. Obi Wan just starts throwing rocks at him. Even in Empire, Darth Vader starts throwing shit at Luke. He's just like, oh, sh- oh crap! Uh, take this and this and this. Like, but in here, it's even stupider because like the stormtroopers should be treating them like they're a group of school children. Like, oh, you're so cute. Shut up. So, yeah, it was funny because literally like what you're saying, George kind of said the same things. He's like, how are we even going to make these teddy bears? He re- literally refers to them as teddy bears. He's like, how are we going to make these teddy bears 
menacing or seem even capable of fighting the empire he's like you kind of have to suspend your disbelief it, it is ridiculous but what, what he does say is that in the end it wasn't the ewoks that actually beat the empire though because you had the space battle going on he said the space battle was really what turned the tide and destroying the death star so they just had to kind of occupy keep the empire busy yeah. on endor on the ground and there's three layers to this you know what i mean you got three different stories going on you have endor with the shield generators the space fight and then you have luke fighting vader and the emperor so he says that you know like american graffiti he likes to have multiple stories going on at the same time they all rise and fall together and you can see that and i like the parallels uh, in this like a lot goes on and it's a lot of jumping back and forth but i think it's i think it's fun um sometimes it don't make sense but uh, the other yeah. the other quick thing i want to bring up before i go on like my what is it 20th rant regarding the luke and leia scene is in empire i'm assuming that the emperor was the one who told them to you know like scout out the rebel base and you know land a surprise attack in this movie i don't like you know it's cool seeing this is the first time ian mcdermott played palpatine and you know he's fantastic obviously we've talked about that but like he doesn't seem to want to do anything in this movie like there's literally a scene where vader comes to him and he's like i thought you were i mean you were supposed to be on the ship or something i forget what he says and then Vader's yeah. like, the rebels are on Endor. And then the Emperor's like, I know. And then Vader, like, he, he's just basically like, so are we going to do anything about that? Or, and then Palpatine's like, no, let's just chill here. Luke will show up and then we can turn him to the dark side, bro. Stop. Just relax. Go chill, have yourself some chill, coffee. Man. Watch a movie. Take a nap, j just chill. Like it, it's so, like I don't know. They're just like on the Empire side. It just doesn't feel like there's any urgency, which is like another problem I have with this movie. Like I don't know. They like I feel like that's deliberate. The Empire stopped striking. But yeah, <laughs> <you're right. laughs> and then that's so funny. okay, so playtime with the Ewoks. They become friends with the Ewoks. It's all freaking fantastic. I I want to die. Um, and then. You know, like, Luke's been kind of acting sheepish to Leia. And then, you know, Leia, he, like, goes off by himself, and then Leia shows up. I like the lighting in this scene, by the way. Like, it's, like, you know, like, it's, like, pretty dark, but there's, like, a little bit of light shining through. I just like that. Um, And then, you know, Leia's like, oh, what's wrong? And then Luke, I hate this thing that sometimes characters do in movies where, like, they say something in a really roundabout way. Like, Luke takes, like, three minutes to to say that, oh, Darth Vader's my dad, and you're my sister. He doesn't just say that. He, like, makes it round. Like, the, the, the Force is strong in my family. My dad has it. I have it. And my sister. And it's like, what is this freaking dad? But then Leia's response to this is I love maybe it. my least favorite thing <laughs> in in the whole saga. I don't saga. love it, but it makes sense. It pisses it makes me sense. off. She says, <laughs> I know. 
somehow I've always known. No, you did not. No, you did not. In the last movie, you kissed him twice. And in the first movie, you kissed him on the cheek kind of affectionately, not just like a platonically. There is no way on God's green earth in any universe you knew or had any inkling that this guy was your brother. And if you did and you still kissed him twice, then you're a creep. And I don't know. I don't want you as a main character in anything because you clearly need a therapist. Sorry. So I, I don't I don't <laughs> think that yeah, you know, you're right about that. I don't I, I like it in context of this movie, but to, to say that I always knew, it's like, no, you didn't. That's just <laughs> yeah, you did not. That's you did not. I mean, you know, but once I think she starts to kind of tap into the force after Empire, she realizes that because they're twins. Yeah. So they both have the capability of using the force to the same degree. It's just Luke has had training. Leia has not, but I actually like when she says somehow I, I knew. Yeah. She didn't always know, but somehow yeah. I, knew. I think she kind of sensed it in the force. Like she could kind of, she kind of felt the, the connection after empire that was like, okay, we might be related. You know what I mean? Like it was almost, I mean, I feel like, like using the force. Well, I mean that like, I feel like in that case, she should have just said, like, you know, I kind of been having a feeling for a little I bit felt or it. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead I of somehow I've always not, like, there's that's just... That's weird, yeah. Come on, man. And then, yeah, you know, weird. like, Luke leaves to go to Vader to g get to the only part of this movie that I really like. Um, and then Han the shows like... up, and it's a <laughs> stupid love triangle BS. It's so bad. Where, like, he's like, what's wrong? And then... And then she's like, I can't talk about it. And then he's like, but you could talk to Luke, huh? You could talk to Luke about it. And then I do like, though, that, like, he's Worst about part. to storm off. And then he immediately stops. And he's like, I can't be that way anymore. That was the old Han, you know, the, the new Han, you know, is a understanding guy. And, you know, then he's there for her. But this is another missed opportunity, in my opinion, because Luke just dropped the biggest bomb on her life uh, since Grandma Tarkin uh, fired on her home planet and blew it up. Um, and, Dang. you know, like, this would have been a great moment, you know, for, like, her and Han are in a serious relationship, and, you know, she at first doesn't want to talk about it, and then he's like, look, if we're going to be together and, you know, we're going to love each other, you're eventually going to have to share stuff with me, and, you know, I'll try and do that for you. And then, you know, she tells him everything and they get closer together and we learn how she feels about it. And we could have had a few more scenes like that down the road. In this scene, she barely reacts to it. And then for the rest of the movie, it's like she forgets. She just forgets. Like, we don't get her perspective on it. We don't get anything. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like. See, it sucks that a lot of this is like retcon stuff that George thought of later. Because yeah. if you would have thought it up from the beginning or just done what he wanted to do straight through and not changed anything, it would have felt more cohesive. Because there are things like this that really stand out as like, it just feels like it's just very clear that he had a last minute idea and then had to adjust the movie to fit that. So, yeah, I just That's... can't look past that kind of stuff. <laughs> and that is why I do favor the prequels more it is it say what you want about the prequels but it feels like a cohesive story all the mm -hmm. way through 
just putting that out there. I, I I think that is overlooked when we talk about the original trilogy yeah, because I, there is the prequels a huge are the disconnect. most cohesive trilogy, actually. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's just di- let's just dive into the Death Star and talk about Luke, Vader, and the Emperor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, during the run on the second Death Star, we get introduced to probably the most important character in the saga. It's not Luke. Yes. It's not yes. Yoda. It's not Obi Wan. It's they not don't Palpatine. Matter. It's not Anakin. Screw all these scrubs. It's a trap. Admiral Akbar, baby. Admiral Akbar. I want his pop figure. I want his T-shirt. Admiral Akbar should have had his own spin-off trilogy. He should have had a show on Disney Plus. Admiral Akbar is just the absolute king. Um, and I don't want to hear any arguments otherwise. Look, I got his Funko Pop right here. Really? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, there's no way that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guarantee you it's a thing, but I do not have one. Let me look it up. I will say, though, the practical effects on him are actually pretty impressive. Yeah, they do. I don't know, like, is he... I'm not sure if you know this, but... Is that a guy wearing a costume, or is that like a animatronic thing? I'm sure it's a guy wearing. He doesn't a mask. really move that much, so I didn't. I that's wasn't, true. Yeah. Yeah, man. He, me, uh, he shows up in talking, the la- I think the Last Jedi, and then I think, um, I think uh, he becomes uh, fried fish in that movie. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, there are people who unironically think that instead of Haldo being the new leader, it should have been him. And it's clear that these people just don't understand movies because, no, that that would have been awful. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to take him seriously doing anything? I'm trying to find it. Uh... It's a trap. Um... I can't find it. Uh, huh. Let me see. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm finding it right now. Uh, Akpar's appearance in the film was created using a combination of either a half-body puppet or a full-body costume, depending on the camera angle required for the shot. Oh. The puppet and mask were created by the monster shop of ILM, the motion picture visual effects company. In close-up scenes of Akbar that required dialogue, puppeteer... Uh, Timothy Rose sat inside the chest of the character and operated the head like a traditional hand puppet from below. Uh, Hmm. For wider shots that showed Akbar's full body, Rose wore the mask and costume while someone operated the mouth via remote. Yeah, that's so cool. Wait, if he's supposed to be a fish, then how can he breathe regular air? I don't know how deep I can go down this Admiral Akbar wiki. Because this... You should just like stop talking about the rest of the movie and just talk about him for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah. All right. We got to the part where <laughs> we're talking about Luke and Vader and the Emperor and the conclusion to George Lucas's saga. Let's just end it by just talking about Admiral Akbar for 15 minutes. No, no, like because in Rogue One, they show his um his species are like part of the crew fighting in the air, you know, flying the ships, but they're in like water tanks, I think, or something like that. I think they're in water, but he's just standing there. Like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find what you're talking about because maybe maybe it's in here, but 
Oh, uh, I can't wait till we talk about how he dies. I uh, his death is sadder than Anakin's. Mon Calamari, though they can breathe water, they find it somewhat uncomfortable and use organic gills whenever possible. I don't know what that means. Okay, Akbar and his crew are stranded on the planet. Dauge after an Imperial attack and they are rescued by Han, Luke, and Princess Leia in the Falcon. Akbar demonstrates his tactical abilities by a- agitating water monsters in a ploy to raise the sunken Falcon from a mud swamp. Akbar's backstory was not explained in Return of the Jedi, but has been established in books and other media. He is from the planet Moncala, a world almost entirely covered by water where his species built giant floating cities. Akbar is a leader of his hometown coral depth city when forces from the galactic empire invade and nearly destroy the planet despite the mon calamari's attempt to make peace the imperial force forces destroy several of the other cities stole their technology and enslave its popula- uh, population akbar is one of the first to be enslaved and becomes an interpreter and personal servant to grandma tarkin a secondary antagonist in the star wars <laughs> uh, star wars film during this time akbar learns much about both the empire and military tactics in general as well as about the rebel <laughs> alliance and the death star and moon size power weapon tarkin is developing at the time akbar takes detailed notes about what he observed in the hopes of eventually escaping back to his people and using the information against the empire yeah i got to i'm on <laughs> wikipedia right now for mon calamari i got to I gotta send you this picture over Discord. It looks like a Von Calamari pop band. I'm not even like a boy band. I'm not even kidding. I gotta. I want, the, didn't they have something like that? This episode just fell. This episode just went. <laughs> the best. Following the events in the film Star Wars, including the destruction of the Death Star, Akbar helps the other rebels' leaders establish new bases of operation and manage a rebel mobile task force and starships spread across the galaxy. He rises up the ranks until Mothma promotes him to commander of the entire rebel fleet and head of military operations, as well as one of their top advisors. Oh my! Yo, he is the. He's actually he's the main character. <laughs> Yeah, the story yeah. was about you the whole time. You just didn't know it. <laughs> All right, that uh, this thing got derailed. I think uh, in the original drafts of uh, the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, he was actually the the mastermind behind Snoke. It wasn't Palpatine. It was okay. Anyway, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, um, unless you have. Anything more you want to add about that? Oh, uh, yeah the the uh, Mon Calamari uh, like admiral from Rogue One was Admiral Radis. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there isn't a whole lot to say about that. Um, it's just an assault on another Death Star, and then uh, they start using the Death Star to like blow up the ships. Which is weird because it seems like they're way more powerful than that, and it would be like this whole big like they could probably blow up the entire fleet, but they're just firing on individual ships. And then Lando's like, "Oh, f- focus on fighting the ships head on, and if we die, at least we could take a few of them down." And it's like, Lando, what are you talking about? They have a Death Star. What do you like? Lando was redeemed in this movie. <coughs> I, I, he is one of my becoming one of my favorite characters in this movie specifically like 
aside from Luke, Emperor Vader, I think Lando was done very well. Actually. Yeah, I think he was pretty cool in this movie as like a leader. But uh, another problem is like him and Han are like v- very chummy right away. But like there should have been a scene where, you know, like they have a conversation about the fact that I don't know, Lando had to sell them out. And he's the reason that Han got frozen in carbonite. But it's like, and that like, even with that, like Han, you know, again, why I don't really like Han in this movie. Like he doesn't want to do anything. Like he tells Lando, oh, why don't you, you take the Falcon? And it's like, what? Like what? what? Like you're giving <laughs> it back to shit. Why? But do, do, at, do, towards do, the end, he's like, you, you don't get a scratch <clears throat> on her. Yeah, that's yeah. you know what I mean. I like how he still he still cares, but it you know. yeah. Um, and then on Endor, uh, this sequence actually confuses me. They go into the facility to shut down the shield at the you know because there's like terminals, and then they overtake it, but then reinforcements come, and then they have to leave, and then it's locked. So then they have to hotwire the power box to open the door so they can go back in. Like, it just feels, I don't know, like the, it just kind of feels like it's, they're just padding for time. It's it's, <laughs> like, it's just a lot of padding. Because um, uh, George does, you know, he says with the multiple stories that are going on, the three that they're telling, they got to go up and down together. So some of the events on Endor kind of seem out of place, but it's it's just a fit you know, in parallel with the other stories they're doing. So, and then like, yeah. Um, Leia and Han get cornered. Leia gets shot on the arm. And then she reveals to Han that she's secretly holding a pistol. And then he's like, I love you. And then she's like, I know, you know, which is a cute callback to empire. And then Han moves out of the way. And then she shoots. The, like, I like, they like treat that as if it's this like big feat that Leia pulled off. But it's like, Wow, she was secretly holding a gun? Oh my god. Like, I don't know. It's just really strange. Um, I did like that the Ewoks trip uh, AT-ST, I think it is. the. Yep, the, the walkers. Is the difference that they're in the size? Is that the difference? Yeah, I forget uh the what the acronyms stand for but yeah atat is the the big yeah, one like, atst is the walker i yeah. do like how the ewoks trip them with like these long vines it. because those yeah. vehicles are inefficient and i don't know why the empire keeps using them like the, they failed in the last movie so they're like if we use a smaller one surely it can't have any of the same issues right these people the are empires trying people to sell toys they're trying to yeah. sell ATST toys. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the real answer. Uh, and then I think the, the only stuff in this climax that I actually really like is Luke and Vader. So, you know, um, Luke yeah. goes to Vader. He gets brought in by the other officers, and then Vader tells him to leave, and they just talk. And I love the conversation. You, you know, where Luke's like, I believe you were once my father. Anakin Skywalker. And then Vader's like, that name has no more use for me. And then, you know, Luke's like, you know, he's like trying to appeal to his humanity. And then I love this because like at first Vader's just like, you know, 
Anakin is, you know, dead to me. And then he 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 um he goes from that to um you don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. To then saying it's too late for me. So I love that like Luke's yeah somehow getting through to him a little bit and then Vader, you know, has to just be honest and be like I can't get out of this now, man. You know? So it's like it kind of makes you wonder, like, would you leave if you bit. wanted to? That's interesting. And then I love the the you know the credit to David Prowsey, who was the, the guy wearing the suit. You know, he obviously did the mannerism when like Luke, um, his final line to Vader here just is just a banger. Then he's like, "Well, then my father is truly dead." And then, you know, the, the the officers bring him away. And then Vader walks over to the balcony and just kind of leans on it. Which, like, shows that, like, you know, because up until this point, Vader's been, like, you know, like, really strong, you know, powerful, always standing tall. But, you know, this emotional conversation with his son is making him get a little tired and he has to lean on something for a second, you know, and just, like, kind of regain his composure. Like, it's a little subtle thing, but, you know, when I saw this for the first time, I knew pretty much nothing about what happened in this movie specifically. I mean, I didn't know what happened in any of them, but especially this movie, I was pretty much blind to this and A New Hope. So, like, you know, like, seeing some of the scenes with Vader made me go, Oh, that's interesting. And then it's it's yeah. so it's the, it, like I think it's I think it comes down to the actors. They they just really bring out the subtle. They really bring out like the subtle movements, yeah. and subtle um, mannerisms and stuff that that adds to it. Especially Vader because you don't you can't see his face, you can't even see his mouth move. Uh, so those like you're saying when they initially meet and Luke turns himself in and Vader gets him the the father and son conversations when no one else is around and they kind of just let their guards down for a minute. It's, it's done very well. And uh, the other touch I forgot to bring this up is uh, Vader grabs Luke's lightsaber and then he ignites it. And then he's like, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber. That means your training is complete. Like that's like, even in that moment, he can't, help but be like proud of his son proud for of building yeah. his own lightsaber like it's like a little sweet which is not something we've seen from him really so far so like it's so it was good. like really really cool to see like the other side of vader to see you know the anakin skywalkerness of vader um so then yeah uh, he brings him before the emperor and the emperor's like Hey, bro, check out your friends. They're all going to die. And then he's like, you know, strike me down. And then Luke, of course, because he's still impulsive and emotional and hot-headed, he's about to strike the Emperor down. Vader blocks it. And I love that shot of, like, Palpatine here. And then you have the green lightsaber like this. And then the yep. red lightsaber like this. And Palpatine's just, like, smiling. Like, he just loves this. Like, he doesn't care what happens here because no matter what, he still has an apprentice. 
at the end of the day. You know so, what I mean? did Vader block that to save the Emperor or to save Luke? I think because for like a while, Good he question. still like taunts Luke. So, I think he wasn't... I think then he was still kind of playing into the Emperor's hand a little bit. But, I mean, that's an <laughs> interesting thought. So... Yeah, that, it's an interesting thought. Uh, George kind of says that Palpatine, the Emperor, wanted Luke to destroy Vader and become his new apprentice. Vader wanted Luke to destroy the Emperor so Vader could become the new Emperor and Luke could join him. So that's kind of what, at the end of Empire, just you know, join me together, we can destroy the Emperor, um, rule the galaxy. So it's all about who can take out who to gain the position of power. And this whole thing is a very emotional driven scene to try to get Luke to lose his composure and to give in to anger and to give in to the dark side. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. The emperor and Vader, they're trying to get him to give in to the dark side to fight. And that's what he does for, you know, majority of the fight he just fights and fights up until the end so the like you said the red and the green lightsabers together it looks so good especially because it's black on black on black i mean the, the the environment's black vader is all black and then luke is wearing black so it's meant to be like okay they're it's not just good versus evil here there is a moral ambiguity between Vader and Luke. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's so emotionally driven and crafted that it's not just a white versus uh, black versus white thing happening here. And I love it because it's, it's, it's complex for uh, this movie considering a uh, new hope wasn't that complex. You yeah. just destroy the death star. Yeah. Empire wasn't that com complex. Oh, they, they're trying to kill us. We got to survive. But this, it goes to another level. Uh, and it's cool. But real quick, I want to say that the Death Star, it's its really cool. And you could see the Emperor's Citadel. It's like a giant spire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All in the Death Star. It looks really cool. It's actually meant to mimic the Jedi Temple. The Jedi Temple had those same spires, but the Jedi Temple had five. Uh. And then this is just one. It's meant, to, uh, it's meant to mimic that on here. I think it's really cool. I think this whole whole part is really really interesting another milestone of this movie i might be wrong but uh when i played the revenge of the sith video game as a kid one of the moves that i really liked was uh throwing your lightsaber i just thought that was always fun like i would like yeah. find like you know like flying enemies or ones that were far away and just chuck my lightsaber at them and then that, that comes from this. yeah when uh luke's on that platform I forget what Vader's saying to him, but like Vader just freaking throws his lightsaber. Like I just, I love he's it. He's just like, "Yeah, you're pissing me off." Get it? And then like you know, like he throws it at the support beam, but it it seems like Luke kind of like moves out of the way a little bit. So it's like, was he throwing it at Luke, and then it just happened to not hit him, and instead hit the, the whole <laughs> time? I don't think Vader was. In Empire or in Jedi was trying to kill Luke. I think he was 
provoking him and taunting him. I never I mean, think, I think that, like I never thought that he was trying to. Kill I mean, him. I think in Empire he was like trying to incapacitate and hurt him for him to stop fighting, but not actually kill him. Yeah. yeah. So and then we get that scene, you know, Luke's hiding from Vader behind like the staircase and the the use of shadow and light in this entire scene is phenomenal. Like Luke's, you know, illuminated in half dark, half light. Not a subtle metaphor at all, but it gets the job done and it looks great. You know, you could take a lot of frames from this movie and just frame them on your wall and they would make really good posters. Um, And then Vader's like, if you won't turn, I'm not like he, he senses that Luke has feelings about his sister. And like, this is him finding out that Leia is his daughter. And he's he's like a sister. Oh, maybe she'll turn. And then that was the wrong thing to say. Cause then Luke basically tries to kill his dad for like a minute you know, like, he's just wailing on him. He chops his hand off like he chopped his hand off. And then... And he, he uses... He starts to use Anakin's style of fighting. Oh, really? Because ori- originally, yeah, he was using a more defensive form of, of, of fighting. But then when he gives into his oh, anger, yeah. you could see that he starts to become sort of like Anakin. And he's more, like, aggressive with it, uh, giving into that anger. Yeah, uh, like... After he mentioned his sister. The- I think that's a really good part. One of the things that I've heard people say about that moment is that, like, because um, s- some fans, you know, they don't like the overly choreographed fights in the prequels. And then they're like, oh, you know, look at the original trilogy, you know, the emotional fights, like this moment, for example. Like, there's no grace or flashy choreography. It's just Luke wailing on Vader. But I kind of don't think that's a fair criticism because like Luke wasn't trained in the way that the Jedi in the prequels were trained. So like he, you know, like if he got mad enough and he clearly lost his composure, he wasn't still going to fight, you know, with any kind of like grace or form or training. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I kind of, I understand what people are saying, but that's a criticism that I've, change my mind on because it's like it's not the same thi- like it's not the same yeah because like if the jedi back then yeah. would have you know lost their composure and just like started fighting mindlessly they would have gotten slaughtered you know what i mean so yeah. that you know um luke incapacitates vader here he has him at his mercy and then palpatine because he's an idiot has to open his mouth and say good you know strike him down and you know stuff like that and then that let's luke realize and i love this is a great moment of uh visual storytelling luke looks at his dad he looks at his robot hand and then he looks at the hand of vader's suit that he cut off and then he realized you know this is where like his vision in the cave and empire strikes back starts to kind of come full circle and he's like oh my god i'm becoming my dad you know and then yeah i love this moment like he just like throws his lightsaber and is like no i'm a jedi like my dad before that's like i because anakin made 
a few steps too many towards the dark side and felt like he had to stay there. And even in this movie, he's like, I have to obey my master. It's too late for me. But Luke wasn't trained with the dogmatic ways of the Jedi. So he didn't have those things instilled in his mind about light side, dark side. So he gave into the dark side momentarily, but he had, you know, the strength of mind and the strength of heart and will to, to just be like, Okay, I did that, but I'm still a Jedi. I'm not. I'm not evil. I'm not. You know. Yeah. I don't have to he walk did, down this path. He, he wasn't past. He didn't go. Like you said, he didn't go that many steps ahead like Anakin did. Just think about yeah. in Episode Three, how many times Anakin could have just threw his lightsaber down, and there would this would have never happened. Yeah, exactly. But Luke had the. Uh, he could see the mistakes of Vader. And especially, I, I like how you said that he sees it in himself from Empire. That he is will become Vader if he continues to give in to the dark side. So, he says, no, I'm a Jedi. He throws his lightsaber down. And what an amazing moment because movies don't do that. They never did that. They still don't do that. You get to this part of the movie and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me or whatever. We got to resolve this. But he's like, no, I'm I'm not going to fight you. Yeah, I love, like, I kind of see it as, like, I mean, obviously with the prequels, it's retroactive now, but, like, Luke had the, how do I say this? Like, Luke made the choice that Anakin didn't think he had the right to make anymore, you know, which is to keep being a Jedi. Because, you know, like in that moment in Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine was like, yeah, if, you know, the the other Jedi Masters show up and they see what happened here, you're going to be screwed, man. You know, so Anakin was like, oh, I went too far in, into the dark side. I have no choice but to stay there now. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, like, so I kind of feel like he saw Luke make that decision and then that's how he was able to be redeemed. And well, let me just say, by the way, seeing this moment, you know, when, like, Palpatine's like, okay, then fine. And he starts, you know, shooting the lightning at him. And then, you know, Luke's, like, writhing in pain on the ground, you know, crying for his father to save him. And then, you know, like, it's, like, flashing from Luke to Palpatine to Vader. And Vader, like, dude, it's he's so just, good. like, looking around. There's so much emotion in that. Like I said, I didn't know what happened in this movie. So I was sitting there watching this for the first first time like wait is is vader conflicted wait what what's gonna happen here and then he picks up the emperor and throws him over the balcony and i freaking lost it i was like i did not expect that holy crap you know and then they you would never expect this ending it's it is exactly amazing and then yeah you, you know the pole place is falling apart um i think that's it's interesting that one moment where Lando blows up that one ship and then it like spirals and like crashes through the Death Star, like, and it like blows up, like, kind of like Admiral Haldo in The Last Jedi a little bit. So it's like, I feel like there's kind of precedent for that kind of thing being possible a little, but it's like obviously really dangerous. I just thought that was cool. But then I love how Luke's like trying to save Vader. Like, he's like, which is, like, such a weird, like, did nobody running through that place 
see Luke dragon Vader's yeah. body and think like, "Oh my god, what did you do?" I'm like, "Yeah, what did just you do like, to Vader?" <laughs> they're just like totally oblivious to it. That's just weird. And then I think that just speaks to like they saw what happened to the first Death Star and like just the complete destruction of it. So they were like, "We just need to get out of here. We don't even have we don't even have time to stop and worry about." Vader. And I mean, they probably hated Darth Vader anyway. Like, of course, like. Yeah. He's basically their boss who was an asshole and, like, would flip out on. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure I'd, I'd like to see, like, a skit or something where, like, one of them's like, ha-ha, screw you. Ha-ha. Probably on Robot Chicken. Feels good now. They probably huh? do Yeah, that. like, you know, just, like, being happy that, you know, he's going to die as this place crumbles. Um. And then, you know, Luke's conversation with Vader here, you know, he's like, um, Vader's like, it's too late, you know, leave. And then Luke's like, I need to save you. And then Vader's like, you already did, you know, and then he's like, uh, to take off my helmet so I could look at you with my own eyes. Like, it's just, you know, really so beautiful good. stuff. And then I freaking love the line where he's like, you were right to tell your sister that you were right like i just imagine you know like you know because uh this movie didn't have a lot of that depth for leia and her you know side of the story but like i just imagine like after this movie you know when they're celebrating and stuff luke's like talking to leia and then he's like so um our father uh he didn't die a villain (laughs) You know, and then, like, them just being, like, yeah. really happy about that. Like, I think that's, you know, and, like, one thing, this might seem like a weird thing to bring up, but, like, I feel like th- this movie, you know, like, it's about, you know, f- father and son, you know, it's about family. And, like, you know, in real life, unfortunately, when some people have, like, an abusive parent or something, you know, sometimes there's just no way to mend that relationship. You know, like sometimes there's no room to forgive them or try and redeem them. Sometimes you just have to remove yourself from them. But like, I liked it. This movie is kind of like a wish fulfillment of that. You know, I just think that's a beautiful thing. Like Luke, like, you know, he, very well could have died at any point, you know, during his showdown with Vader or Palpatine could have killed him. But like, I don't know. Like he, he like, he saw the good yeah, like, Vader when I really, nobody in the galaxy did. I really look up to Luke in a lot of ways because, you know, like he chose to not just immediately write off, you know, somebody as just being pure evil. And like, I think, you know, like I said, Real life's way more complicated than a movie about space wizards, you know, fighting a battle between the light and dark side. But, you know, I think we can all try to learn a little bit from Luke Skywalker. Uh, he's such – he's one of the greatest characters. I mean, I I love the line, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Because when he said that, his father was yeah, – like, he was – he, he looked like Vader. He wasn't. He didn't choose he, to think of, look, like, at no point in this movie did he choose to think of his father as being evil. 
you know, as no. being this evil guy. He chose to think of him as a Jedi Knight. No, not just that. He didn't, when he said, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me, he was not thinking of Vader when he looked like Anakin in the prequels or when he looked like a Jedi before the Vader suit. He looked at his father in the Vader suit and said, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. But then at the end of the movie, we see Anakin's force ghost like his self before the suit. That completely retroactively takes away from him saying that I'm a Jedi like my father before me and Vader actually turning back to the light. If Vader actually turned back to the light and saved the galaxy, was the chosen one, was redeemed by Luke, he would have looked like he did in the VHS tape where he looked like yeah exactly yeah his older self who was a jedi i think when you in i'll never i will never forget this watching it on vhs for the first time you know or whatever when they show the force ghost and you see obi-wan and luke who we're familiar with and then someone pops up who we're not familiar with at all but we're like oh that's anakin outside of the yeah. suit it's not like oh that's anakin from the prequels look there's hayden christensen it's it's him. No, this is who would have been in that suit if he wasn't half robot. I think there That's is so much better. I think there is a it, little bit what George did. I think the there is a little features. bit of a see. I just attribute this to you know the reconning because it seemed like because um it's not like Anakin as a Force ghost um was exactly the guy we saw in the suit you know what i mean like his force ghost wasn't bald he w wasn't scarred so in my mind you know seeing him as like a regular middle aged guy showed me that that was when he turned to the dark side but then you know the prequels came and you know like they changed things up and then that's why the special edition changed. so like even within the context well, of this movie, yeah. that only really works if you're watching those three movies by themselves and just assuming that Anakin's Anakin turned to the dark side at a later point in his life in like not exactly the same context. You know what I mean? So in 2005, interview with Movie Phone, George said he wanted to change, make this change as a way of finishing off the entire saga, connecting the prequels to the originals. His idea was that Anakin's um, inner being. Uh, why did it just stop there? Because that Lucas explained that the reason why Anakin's Force Ghost is young is that he metaphorically died after becoming Vader. An idea reinforced by Darth Vader himself during Obi-Wan Kenobi. But so even though Vader did turn back to um, the light side and was a Jedi and killed the Emperor, his he viewed himself as a true Jedi before he turned to Vader. But I completely disagree with that. I think that. No, but like, I mean, I think I think I don't think it makes sense. No, but I mean, yeah, but what I mean is that his force ghost in this movie doesn't look as young as he was in revenge of the sith you know what i mean so that i feel like that saying like yeah yeah within the context of the original trilogy as 
as it was once a standalone trilogy that, you know, like George's idea was that Anakin was like middle aged or something when he turned to the dark side. So that's why at the end of this movie, he appears that way as, you know, the force ghost. So I feel like maybe that's why George changed it because he made Anakin younger in Revenge of the Sith. So he was like, oh, well, that guy looks nothing like Hayden Christensen does because he's older. So I have to. So like even so, like no matter what way you watch it nowadays, it's still weird because either way, because it's been reckoned and stuff, it doesn't totally fit, which is unfortunate a little bit. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, what are you gonna do? the ending was cool, though. Seeing all of them on Endor celebrating. And I actually like in the special editions when they show all the planets. They show Coruscant celebrating. They show Naboo celebrating. I think it's cool. I think that was a way better way of introducing uh, the prequels locations into the, C- uh, the original trilogy to kind of connect both of the trilogies. I think that whole celebration scene at the end was awesome and and. You got to see uh, Luke by Vader, and while he, like you said, he was burning after he died, and you got to see Leia and Han and everybody. Uh, the ending of this movie, I think, is the best ending out of all the Star Wars movies. Uh... But that's just because I like when stories are wrapped up. I think canonically, it it's just it wraps, it just resolves everything. So, and I, I like that. So, yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think for yeah, I think uh, the ending. To this or Revenge of the Sith are probably my favorite yeah. endings. Because, like, Revenge yeah. of the Sith is just, like, I mean, even because, you know, back then I hadn't seen the original trilogy, but I still, like, when that movie was done, I still got that sense of, like, oh, it's just beginning now, you know, like, stuff's, you know, like, reached the final stage of you know the emperor's plan it's just like this really like yeah you feel like it's, it's you well, like you like went on this you know like really grand journey and it was like oh man that was so crazy yeah that's what i was gonna say you, episode three is the sixth movie so you have six movies to go off of yeah yeah but episode six is only the third movie but it, it concludes six movies worth of canon you know events so i think both are I love I actually love how George did this. It we talk, we've talked about it so much. We're now at the end of our um original George Lucas movie, you know, retrospectives. I'm I can't believe we did you know, we're we're here cuz this is it's 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 done, you know what I mean? So I'm going to upload the original trilogy retrospective into one video and then the prequel trilogy into one video. So what do you think about how he wrapped up the saga? in this i mean look i'm gonna i don't really i don't really like this movie that much you know like i feel like it has a lot of script problems uh richard marquand isn't a bad director by any means i don't think he did a bad job in this movie but like irvin kirshner made empire so interesting and you know so distinct so you know, his Richard Marquand's directing by comparison in some ways kind of feels like a step down. Um, I I kind of wish does, Return yeah. of the Jedi had kept a lot of the 
more mature elements. Because I feel like if anything, maybe it would have been better if they kind of swapped directors a little bit. Because I feel like I think so there were more things in this movie that needed, you know, to be treated like maturely and you know seriously and stuff. But they were just, you know, really glossed over. Like the stuff with Leia, um, Leia and Han feeling like inconsequential to the plot you know um but i mean i like the luke and vader stuff so much that like i can't i can't necessarily like i can't say the movie's just completely worthless or you know like totally disposable because like that stuff has always you know been really great to me and i stand by that um i think as a conclusion it's still it's still satisfying enough. Like, I think, I mean, there's a saying, you know, the, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but I think sometimes it's more about the destination than the journey. Like, I think this movie is, is like that. Like the original trilogy is not perfect. Like a lot of people say it is in my opinion, you know, like it's not this like masterpiece of cinema. It, it, has problems mainly this movie but like i feel like the people that say the original trilogy is like perfect and, and flawless and like it's the greatest thing ever they don't really watch it you know yeah, I mean? exactly like they're just kind of like, going off of nostalgia or what other like, people say but i mean i'll say like return of the jedi is still a better blockbuster than a fair amount of blockbusters we've gotten within the past 20 years or so you know like yeah, you can't definitely like it has the best effects in the trilogy. It has one of the best lightsaber fights in the whole trilogy. This lightsaber um, fight, it's it was always my favorite up until Avenger the Sith. It has the best acting from Mark Hamill and, and Vader. Mark, and yeah, Vader, uh, James Earl Jones, David Prowse, you know, doing a great physical performance you know and then uh james Earl jones with just his voice brings so, so much you know layers and nuance to vader um you know seeing ian mcdermott play palpatine for the f- first time now mm, like yeah. watching his performance here feels like watching a star in the making like you're gonna be the star of a whole trilogy and you're gonna do a great job but you don't know it yet past Ian McDermott. Like it's you know, like a really fun feeling. One of the greatest characters ever. Oh yeah. He's evil and he loves it. And sometimes a villain doesn't need to be more than just a crazy evil guy. A bad That's it. dude. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie, uh extremely relevant and important in the grand scheme of Star Wars, it it wraps up the chosen one. It wraps up what George Lucas wanted to, to tell, the story that he set out to make. I'll say this. So obviously, just, we're going to talk about the sequels, but. I'll say this. A lot of newer Star Wars content takes place after Return of the Jedi. I want to see more Star Wars content that takes place during Return of the Jedi. Because you think about it, right? How would people react, you know, like, you know, like 
a long, you know, like a few years ago, the Death Star was blown up, and we thought that that was the end of the Empire. But now they're building this bigger one, and they're, you know, they're. It seems like they're never going to leave us alone. You know, we were kind of free for a little bit. You know, there was like this kind of grace period where the Empire was, you know, kind of ramshackle. They didn't have their own base, and now it seems like they're just bigger than ever. Who's going to save us from this? And then, bam, you know, this movie happens. And, it like, I think that that would be cool. So, usually, yeah, it, it will be. So, to, to kind of go off what you're saying, you know, since we're going a little bit here on time, going pretty far, let's cut out the what uh, game movie recommendation. And let's real quick talk about Star Wars Outlaws. Because uh-huh. Star Wars Outlaws takes place just a few years before Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And they announced some, they gave some details recently. And, um. It's going to have Jabba the Hutt in it, and you'll be able to either work for him as a bounty hunter or betray him in some kind of way. So it's, I'm sure there's going to be discussion on, you know, the Empire, since obviously the Empire will be in it. Maybe the Death Star, kind of what you're saying, you get to see it from a bounty hunter or someone else in the galaxy's perspective. Imagine if like when you get in your ship, there's like, like it's not a place you can find on a map but like if you like fly far enough and stuff like you could reach like a hidden area that's like the second death star being built and then like maybe you get like within a few feet of it or something and like a whole fleet just like starts like firing at you it's like you're not supposed to be here why are you here leave now you know that kind of thing i guarantee you something like that's gonna be like a small nod like that would just blow people's minds yeah, I think a game is the best way to tackle something like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many books and comics and stuff, but you know, right now they're they're going through the High Republic, you know, pre episode one. The TV shows are are post episode six, you know, pre episode seven. But yeah, um, can't wait for that game, dude. So yeah, definitely. This has been our Return of the Jedi retrospective. It wraps up the saga. We we did a the definitive Star Wars saga retrospective i guess we're done so we have rogue one solo and the sequels to do still obviously those are star wars movies they're all connected somewhat important but this is the you know george lucas story we finished up so what do you have to say before we wrap up our official retrospective uh it's been fun rewatching this movie rewatching these movies you know as a older man than i was when i saw him for the first time i'm gonna cry um i hate the passage of time uh it's been fun talking <laughs> about him you know i'm um, seeing new things that i've never seen before i love it when i watch when i rewatch something that i've seen you know a thousand times and i'm able to see it in a new way i can't wait to have that experience with the sequels albeit like it hasn't been as long since I've seen them as the originals and prequels, but I mean, it's still been, you know, a fair amount of time. Uh, I can't wait to talk about those movies because um, I guess I'll leave you with a brief teaser people so that you can roast me. That's my favorite trilogy, but I think from a filmmaking stamp, from a writing standpoint, it's the worst one. I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush. It's the worst trilogy, but it's my favorite, and I can't wait to 
host that trilogy of episodes and give my thoughts because I got a lot to say and it might stir the pot a little bit, especially Last Jedi. Yeah, I, I actually can't can't wait for the sequels because you know my whole life I've been talking about episodes one through six, and now I'm just glad we were able to officially go through them and rewatch them and actually have retrospectives out there on podcast platforms and YouTube and whatnot. It's been fun. I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of fun talking about it with you and watching these movies over and over again. So now I'm excited to go and do this for movies that I've never really done that for. So that'll be very interesting. So Tony, thanks for coming on doing this retrospective today with me and this whole series. Like I said, it'll be going up on podcast platforms youtube shortly and i'm gonna make it a prequel trilogy retrospective one very long video probably like seven hours worth and then an original trilogy retrospective that'll go up so that's that so all right i guess uh i guess that's it like uh ian mcdermott i'm about to jump out this death star and disintegrate and die and then i'll just randomly reappear (laughs) for the sequels Oh, oh God! Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words.